Hello, and welcome to the OCR Exams podcast, where we'll be chatting with a range of guest speakers from the world of education. My name's Anthony. I'm one of the hosts of the podcast. Here at OCR, we're committed to supporting teachers and exams officers at every step of their journey with us. We're also here to help our students to reach their full potential, and some of our podcasts will feature tips and advice on revising, preparing for exams, and managing mental health. Please remember to like, comment on, and subscribe to our podcast on whichever platform you're using, and be sure to follow our other social media channels. We're on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Instagram. Just search for OCR exams. You can also find a range of subject-specific blogs on our website, ocr.org.uk forward slash blog. So let's get started with today's episode. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of the OCR podcast. My name is Kate Thompson and I'm a subject advisor for sport here at OCR and I'm joined by my colleague. Yeah, thanks Kate. I'm John Vary. I'm also a subject advisor for PE and sport here at OCR. And today we're going to be chatting to one of our principal moderators, Pete Bignall. Uh, Pete, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, I'm Pete. I'm a director of sport at the large independent boys school in Oxfordshire. I've been moderating with OCR for 20 plus years, being principal moderator for the last seven or eight years. Fab, welcome along. So today we want to talk about um, the moderation process and moderation day, really. Um, How did you get into moderation? Uh, I've got into moderation, I say a long time ago, but I attended a moderation as an NQT to go and sort of understand what the NEA process was about. And I got chatting to the moderator and she was really keen for me to be involved. And I was very much along the lines of, look, I've just started my teaching career, maybe in a year or two. A year later, I went back to moderation uh, and was leading for my school. And she again, she said to me, look, just come and be involved. It's a really good learning tool. And I bit the bullet, you know, two years into my teaching career and I haven't looked back. It's been a really invaluable experience. And how long have you been moderating for? So uh, 23, 24 years, something like that. I've lost count, to be honest. So, you, so you've been you've been around the block a few times, should we say? Uh, that's, a, that's a fair way to put it. And I, I've moved four schools, but uh, stayed with OCR all my life. So uh, it's always been good. And so you've seen all the changes coming through with A-levels and the different sports, the uptakes of different sports, I suppose. Yeah, so I started on the old linear spec a long, long time ago and then progressed into the uh, ASA2 spec and then back into the linear spec. So I really have seen a lot of changes over time and seen how the NEA's developed, particularly uh, through its various iterations of lots of sports to less sports to different elements of the uh other side of the practical so it used to be the ppp a written document and then into what is now the eapi okay so sorry just jump in on this i know we're not doing a marketing exercise here um, but i know you mentioned you've been in where you know you've been in with ocr for a long time and and i don't know what your knowledge is like on other boards but is there a reason why you went to ocr and why you've stuck with ocr uh, qualifications or or is it just or is it just convenience 
Uh, I suppose originally it was convenience. That's what my school was studying back in, you know, 99 when I first started. Um, but some, since then I've moved schools and not all of those schools initially uh, delivered OCR. And we sort of, uh, second school, we changed it because I wanted to. Um, but actually the most interesting time was when the specification of the ASA2 came in. And I did a really good deep dive with my department. We took a, a morning off school at the end of the year and we went to an offsite and we literally read every specification from every exam board and tried to choose what was the best exam board for our students. And I said, look, they all knew I was a senior moderator at OCR. And I said, look, that's irrelevant. We've got to choose the best specification mm -hmm. for our students. And when we looked at it, for the school I was at at the time, OCR was the best fit um, for us at A-level. And we decided to, to actually move from what was Edexcel at that time into OCR because we felt it was the best thing for us as a school. I think that's the key thing, isn't it? You've got to look at your, your strengths as a staff, as a department on, on what you can deliver, but also look at your cohort. Some kids, you know, one of the schools I was teaching at, they weren't academic. They were coursework based was absolutely perfect for them exams and you lost them so i do i do think that you know very valid points that you you've got to select based on what suits you your department your school your kids yeah i, th I think that's really important i also think it's important to consider you know what you're delivering at gcse it might be a different exam board it might still be ocr and actually looking at how they correlate to one another and also looking at the size of your cohort and then looking at how many of those go on to post 18 education? You know, it, quite a lot of them do choosing the subject or the specification that provides best for first year uh, university learning. I think really aligning all three elements is really key. Yeah. So looking at the moderation day for, for a moderator, what does it look like? Uh, to be honest, I've got to say the being out at moderation days is possibly the best days of the year um it's stressful don't get me wrong because you're there and arguably you're on show you've got your ocr hat on you've got you know your assessment criteria to really be hot on and be precise and and making sure we're meeting the national standards in our decision making but actually you go out and you engage with loads of members of staff lots and lots of students you see some wonderful sporting experiences across a range of sports and actually it's really nice to impart your knowledge to other staff and hopefully uh, engender some learning in them so they can develop their own knowledge and therefore perform better at their delivery to their next cohort students. Yeah, definitely. I think having, having taught um, the A-level and GCSE with OCR uh, prior to you know joining uh, the company, I think one of the real positives that I found was the cluster moderations and that exactly what you're saying, Pete, that ability to to talk with a moderator, to, um, to you know, discuss things with your colleagues about um, you know aspects of the course, and it's a really useful thing. I think it's something that's quite still quite unique for us, and um, a real you know we get lots of centres you know really sort of positive about the, the sort of experience of, of the day mm -hmm. and the learning that takes place, as well as obviously the the moderation process itself. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's one of those things where we talk and we're delivering a our standardization process when we're training our sort of 50 plus moderators we, we very much are very clear when you're out at moderation day it is an assessment process we are going through the rhythms yeah. that we, we are required yeah. to 
by the exam board and JCQ, etc. But actually, we should also, you know, softly treat it as a as a piece of inset. You know, if we can have good conversations and provide information in that cluster environment, it's a really good thing. Schools are finding it harder and harder to get out on inset days. Yeah. And although that's not the driver of a cluster moderation, it's a, it's an added bonus, I'd say. Definitely. Yeah. So in terms of that then, Pete, and just moving this on a little bit, what as a moderator, what what does it what does a good moderation day look like when you arrive and what what things you know it makes the day run smoothly and uh, and straightforward for you and the people the candidates and the teachers involved yeah I, I think it starts way before moderation day i think it comes back to when we meet as as moderators at the end of january early february when we do our training and we really trying to make sure there's a standardized approach across the country not only in the way in which we deliver the moderation day but it's very clear about how we select candidates for moderation day. So actually that prior planning really makes it work well. So good early communication with centres, having lots of conversations beforehand in terms of what activities are going to be seen on the day, making sure there's enough time to make a, a good value judgment. And I think removing the EAPI from the moderation day itself, which we did, uh, well, made the decision during COVID, has been a real benefit. We can now mm -hmm. spend a bit more time on the practical and really delve deep into the assessment criteria. And then I think, you know, when you arrive, I think just it's really worthwhile as a moderator. You know, you've got all your paperwork, you've got centres to give out paperwork, and really treat it as look, this is this is a really open conversation day. And then just talk to candidates and go, look, we're here to yes assess you. But actually, just just go out and do what you love doing. Play sport to the best of your standards. Treat it like an exam. Don't treat it as a kick around, for example, um, or a social setting. And I think in terms of what makes a good day is actually lots of conversation within each activity. So as we go along, 15 minutes in, have a chat. Well, what do we think is a rank order? Who's the best candidate here today? You know, who's the weakest candidate? Then go away, then start thinking about levels and then drill down into the whereabouts within each level are the candidates. And once you've got that first activity done, what's really important is when you move to your second activity, you have that comparison. And that's really important, standardising across sports. So I always say that um, to be a good moderator, you need six words, OK? And that is same, better and worse, top, middle and bottom. So when you move to your second activity, you've got your best candidate, but let's just say who is bottom of level five you move to your second activity you get your top candidate in this second activity are they the same are they better or are they worse than the top candidate in activity one and it gives mm -hmm. you, you that direct comparison and then once you've identified a level are they at the top of the level the middle of the level or the bottom of the level and actually you're now only arguing over one or two points so they're my they're my yeah. six key words to moderators i like that can I, can I just, I know I'm jumping in with all these questions, but they just come <laughs> into mind now. Um, is, so if I'm a, a, a newly qualified teacher, I think that's the, is that the correct language these days? I'm not yeah. sure. ECT now. ECT, yeah. that's the one, yeah. Uh, and I'm turning up to my, and I, I'm turning up to my first moderation and I've been asked to um, put on a session for uh, netball, hockey, whatever that may be. What would you like to see me put on there so you can get the right sort of things out of that session? I, th I think it comes down to three things. I think number one, yeah, we're talking about A-level candidates. Let's not spend 10 minutes you warming them up. Tell the mm -hmm. candidates, you know, go, go get yourself sorted. When you come in, we're going to start that assessment process. So don't spend forever on warming them up. Let the candidates do that. They should be able to do that. They are 17, 18-year-olds. 
Secondly, I'd say, you know, number one, quickly get into um, some uh, an opportunity for candidates to show their skills in a range uh, and the range of skills through core and advanced skills. But what I think is really important, and maybe we don't see enough of at Moderation Day, is that those skills are shown under competitive pressure. So mm. quite often, yeah, we just see a passing drill and it's like, well, where's the competitive pressure in this? So can you add someone closing them down? Can you have someone marking them on receiving the ball? You know, those types of things, because that actually yeah. shows that that the greater level of advancement. Once we've seen some idea of, of skills within a, a small competitive environment, put it into the best environment you can to make it realistic. Now, one of the conversations we always have at moderation days, how can we watch rugby when we haven't got 15 aside and we, how do yeah. we have our tight hair prop or our fly half show? You know, how does it quite work? We've got to remember moderation day, we're trying to create the best environment we can within the facilities we've got and the students we've got. So I think it's really important you keep that in the back of your head. So as a someone delivering a session, get the kids going quickly, show a range of skills under pressure and then create the best competitive environment that you can with what you've got. And that might be, um, you know, a half pitch game which is outnumbered and, you know, you, you were looking at the defence or the attacking opportunities. Those types of things are really, really important and give the kids enough time to show what they've got. You know, quite often football is a classic one. You know, actually playing 11 aside, sometimes they get lost a little bit. I'm a little bit more of a personal favour of watching something like a nine aside game on, on 11 yeah. aside pitch because they've, they've got a bit more space, they get a few more touches. And actually, you can probably make a better value judgment. And we've still got the same principles of the game in the show. Yeah, yeah. those are good advice. tips. Yeah, yeah, really good. Um, so when you've talked about standardisation before, um, before the moderation day, you and your moderators all get together, don't you? What, what's do. the purpose behind that? Uh, the, the fundamental purpose is setting the standards. You know, and those are the standards that we are going to apply across the country. And that's the most important thing. You know, a moderation happening in Brighton is the same as the, the standards and the decisions are the same as a moderation happening in Edinburgh. You know, and that, you know, they're the sort of most important things. And the standardisation process is there to not only. So I suppose it's I suppose you explain what stand is. We, we come together and there's one for EAPI and there's a different one for practical. So from a practical, we come together, we actually do a live moderation day. We run a day that has four or five activities. We're watching candidates, we're assessing them. And actually myself and my team, my assistant principal and a range of team leaders, we uh, we get together and we say, right, blue number seven is a 26. Blue number four is a 17. We really delve down and give the detail. And all those moderators get given those marks across the day. We normally walk away with around about 40 to 50 different practical marks. And every moderator is taking those marks to their individual moderations with them. So when they're looking at um, a live netball game, for example, they're pulling up that sheet and going, well, who's the best netball player I'm watching today? Right, it's the yellow wing attack. Right, that yellow wing attack, well, that was really similar to the cricketer we saw at moderation. And then they mm. can try and draw the line across. And that's what we're trying to do practically. EAPIs, we do something very similar. We watch four to five EAPIs across a range of marks. And again, we as team leaders and principal moderators 
tell the moderators this is what the score is and why it was that and that's really important looking at the assessment criteria we feel it we feel this was a bottom of level five because this this and this and therefore they're always comparing the national standard to what they see out live and then there's a whole host of paperwork that goes alongside in the background which you know doesn't get always seen but our, our moderators working forms to rationalize our decisions because that gets checked and moderators as a moderation process that gets checked by their team leader and ultimately that then gets checked again by myself or my assistant principal so there's lots of qa checks along the way it's just not one person's decision yeah it's a range of checks along the way and that's really important for people to understand yeah i think that's probably one thing that they don't realize that before moderation day you and your moderators have had probably two days if not more of meeting of going over the of going over a mock moderation so that you all are reading from the same page and and the paperwork that they fill out isn't just it's not just them it's going through all of these various checks i mean we even get to see them at some point if it's required we get to see them and i, I don't know whether i mean it wouldn't have been common knowledge would it you know when, when i was teaching you know you went to moderation you did what you got to do and you went you didn't even think about everything that went along with it and the hours that spent going over this the video footage filling out the paperwork making sure everything's all the, the boxes are ticked etc so it's a lot of work it is a lot of work for you it, it is but it's phenomenally rewarding and i think everyone we get new moderators every year because there's always a natural cycle of people leaving and coming in for a variety of reasons mm. um and new moderators come in and i always say if you can get through your first year your first year is really tough you've got so much information to take on there's yeah. processes that it, it's quite scary standing up in front of everyone and everyone looking at you and going you know everything but actually you're sitting there going well i'm just like you i'm a normal teacher you know yeah. but i've just had this bit of yeah. background training that's gone on um if you can get through your first year it, it gets easier it becomes normal normality but there is work that goes on behind and it's i suppose juggling that with your day job is quite difficult at times and you've got to be a little bit organized you've got to use some time in your easter holidays to do a lot of advanced prep work listen to eapis and a lot of your sort of video watching you know I always say, like, you know, particularly when my kids are a lot younger than they are now, was like, you know, the kids would go to bed and nine o'clock at night, I'd then go sit on the computer for two hours, plugging in USBs, watching videos, listening to EAPIs, writing out my scores on the documentation, writing my moderator's reports and feeding that through. You know, it's, it's, you know, you've got to commit to those hours outside of your normal working day yeah. for a short, a little bit stressful. There's deadlines to meet. But actually, I think every moderator is there for the same reasons I am, which is to one, ensure we've got a great qualification and two, support not only the students they're assessing, but also take that knowledge back to their own centres. Yeah. yeah, no, really good. Um, I want to know, we've got a question and it's about what's the biggest myth that you would like to dispel about moderation? Uh... This is a good one, this, because we have, we have, we I, off the top of my head, I can't think of some, some of the questions that we are asked and talk about. And uh, um, so, yeah, interesting to see what you think about this one. 
I, I think there's probably two biggest myths. Probably the one you hear the most is um, you'll never see a 30 out of 30 practically in moderation, you know, so top of top yeah. of level six. And I'm going to put my hand on my heart and say that's completely wrong because I've seen a 30 out of 30 in moderation and I've given 30 out of 30 in moderation. I'm then going to say I've seen candidates that I think are a 30 out of 30 at moderation, but on the day we haven't been able to see it. And I'm going to sort of justify those two comments in different ways. Those individual sports. So um, I watched a, a dancer, for example, and it was solo. They're in complete control of everything they do. It was easy to go there. But then I watched a footballer who was absolutely outstanding. And because of the parameters they were working within and what they had around them, it was quite difficult to say they're a 30 out of 30. And this is where centres need to, particularly when they've got those level six candidates, almost do their due diligence and make sure they've got that additional supporting knowledge. So with that footballer, for example, I, I sat there and went, look, they're clearly a level six, you know, but where in level six on the day, it was really hard to see the centre's given full marks. So I'm going to go back and look at their footage and their supporting documentation to basically make sure that I'm happy that that's right. So I think that's probably the biggest myth is, you know, you can't see a 30 out of 30. So if you've got a candidate in level six, do your due diligence and have supporting evidence, definitely, because on moderation day, it can be hard to show it. And I suppose the other one is, the biggest myth is on the day, um, that's probably too long we come up with it, on the day we're sitting there and we're giving what we see is what they get. There is a bit of that for sure, but what I'm also going to say is we're there to look at the marks you've awarded and make mm -hmm. sure they are accurate. So it's not what you're saying on the day so much, it's what you've submitted on paper. Now, if you've given someone bottom of level five as a candidate, they might have a slightly better day, they might have a slightly off day, but they're not going to move too far from that. You know, what you wouldn't expect to see them is bottom of level three. That tells me your marking's not right. But if you're, you know, yeah. within that ballpark, that really helps. And I suppose the the other sort of myth I'll talk about is a lot of times people sort of talk at moderation day is that thing of, um, you know, we when we move the marks we became a little people say we got very harsh at our marking my answer to that is no so giving a candidate 14 or 12 out of 30 they go that's really harsh and i'll say well but then realign it to where the the marks are and the grades are because actually that's okay a 14 out of 30 is still a decent grade you know you mm. don't have to you actually only have to get to the bottom of level five to get an A. We've allowed those top candidates to get the marks and get the reward of additional marks to, to slightly weaker candidates and all the way down. So don't think you've got to give 22 to get, you know, a C. You don't. So really think about the marks of the grades. OK, good, good tips, those good tips. Yes. I know we I know we're talking about moderation day, but just to pick up on something you said there about supporting evidence and video evidence. Um, so is 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 it sort of in terms of like filmed evidence, etc. Is this sort of a is this a specific way that you you think that you know centres could demonstrate that and how they present that and what you need to see that would you know be seen as good practice? 
Definitely. I, th I think, you know, we, we see a range of video footage from exceptional to seven hours worth of video playback to a lot of blue sky and grass, you know, and anywhere in between. So yeah. number one, if you've asked your candidate to put your video evidence together, which a lot of centres do, please make sure you review it. And the mark you've submitted matches the video evidence that you're submitting. Don't just go, mm. I know there I, I know there are 22. OK, so I'm giving them 22. You've never checked the video footage. If we don't call that can to moderation and we end up viewing their footage, and their footage is really poor. We're going to disagree with your mark. So please make sure yeah. they, they, they correlate that. That's a massive error we see quite a lot. But what do I want to see? Again, it's a bit like when you asked me that question about what do you want the drills to look like? I yeah. want to see some skills that are under competitive pressure. OK, and I want to see a range of competitive footage. And for me, when we talk about competitive footage, um, you know, if it's a dance performance, it's a dance performance, it's, it's trampolining, it's, it's slightly easier. If it's football or rugby or netball or lacrosse or hockey, those invasion games, it's a lot harder. What I don't want is a full game. What I want is probably I definitely need continual footage and probably 15 to 20 minutes of continual footage. So recall three or four of their games and get them to choose their best 20 minutes of one game. So what mm. I want to see is them involved in play, but I want to see the tactical side of where they're moving and how they're communicating because they're on the assessment criteria as well. And if you want to do a sort of a, a highlights reel to show their skills, from competitive situations, that's also useful. But I don't want to see just a highlights reel. I, I love to see, um, I take netball, you know, and you've got a goal shooter. I don't want to just see one shot that goes in. I probably want to see 15 shots that go in across six different games, across six different positions within the D. And that tells me that there's consistency in that accuracy and that, and that uh, skill element. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you. I've I've got no more questions. I found that really useful, very insightful. And I think as if I was still teaching, I'd be like, oh, okay. Right. I've got a little more knowledge now. I don't know about you, John. No, absolutely. That's brilliant. I mean, there's a lot of things that what Pete that Pete said there that, you know, I, I, if you're either, you know, new to delivering the qualifications or you've been delivering for a, a long period of time, there were certainly loads of bits of information there that are really useful uh, and really helpful. Um, and obviously that's what we're trying to do uh, with these podcasts and get the information out there. Yeah. Thanks very much, well, Pete. Cheers. Yeah. yeah, can I just say one last thing? I would say, honestly, I would say if you're new to teaching, if you're not even not delivering it, just go and attend with your centre to the to an NEA, a moderation day, you'll learn loads. And however, wherever you are in your stage of your career, once you've got a bit of a feeling for the NEA, you know, we're always on the lookout for good people and good assessors, people that want to learn and be engaged. Mm. So, you know, please do go and sign on and try and uh, become part of our team because we're looking, always looking for good people who are delivering and have A-level P at their heart. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Pete, for coming along and chatting to us and for your 23 years of uh, loyal service. We, we salute you. And, uh, That's a pleasure. Yeah. And now you've got a lovely summer holiday to look forward to. That is the plan. Look, a bit, a bit of sun and a bit of golf once uh, all the markings signed up. Excellent. <laughs> Sounds great. Oh. Thanks, Pete. Thank you very much. 
So that's all for our A-Level Moderation podcast. Thank you so much, Pete, for joining us. To everyone listening, I hope you found this episode interesting. Don't forget to share this podcast with your colleagues and students, and please get in touch with us if you need any further support. All our contact details and social media channels can be found at ocr.org.uk slash contact. Thank you.